It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 88, The Deconstruction of Falling Stars, in which the enduring cultural legacy of Babylon 5 is explored. Coming to you from the imminent heat death of the universe, this is the name of the pod, your Babylon 5 <laughs> podcast, where we talk about the ongoing cultural legacy, perhaps even one million years from now, of the 1990s television show Babylon 5. I am one of your hosts, Chris Tatro, and with me, as always, my good friend and co-host, John Cassie. Hi, Chris. Hello. Have you got your Vorlon suit ready for the heat death of the universe? Ooh, I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah, it's coming a little ahead of schedule. So it would seem. Uh, a million yeah. years in the future. I thought this planet had another some billions of years in its... Uh... There's there's something on the screen about, you know, unusual solar disturbances. So, you know, we think we can take from that that it's not happening of its own accord. Mm-hmm. So this was a little piece of red matter, maybe being dropped, could, you know. Could could be, could be a little red matter, could be taken on holiday. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, Candid, no, Candid it, Snaps, or, he asked her knowingly. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it could be the Earth is... Uh, Earth is, you know, used up, burnt out, and, right. you know, what's the point in having, you know, maybe it's too dangerous, you know, there are things there that are best left, right? You know, best not left lying around for whoever to uh, to find, so we'll just, you know, we'll just burn it up and move on. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, w- when you reach that level of, of, I can transform into energy, and presumably it's some kind of post-scarcity, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ian Banks-ish right. you know, future, um, you know, hey, you know, evacuating a planet. And moving on, not a big deal. Yeah, planets. I mean, who lives on a planet, right? I know. I mean, so come gauche. on. Who's dependent on a on a sun, the natural mm. sun? I mean, it's so yeah. you know, it's so pre transcendence. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to clean out my basement, and you know, the, the the mere thought of like evacuating a planet is just giving me the heebies, panic, panic shivers right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Can it's like. Uh, it's like the, uh, you know, the Vorlon ship Marie Kondo has come to our, to our planetary <laughs> system and said, yes. none of this brings me joy. <laughs> Throw it away. Soul brings no joy. Soul brings no joy. Yeah. Gone. So yes. we'll turn it into a, well, the hyperspace bypass, as you know. Mm. You must build really bypasses, Chris. Best thing for it. Yeah. 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 Um, so deconstruction of falling stars sort of nominally the end of season four. Maybe it could have been the end of season five and the whole show, but it's sort of conceived as a thing to end a thing Mm -hmm. because the actual ending, oh, as it turns out, we got the renewal. So now we're going to move that show to the end of the the actual show, which means we've got a gap. And right, let's right. fill and, it this way. You know, and, and our, our listeners and the folks commenting on Facebook, you know, all, I think unanimously, I don't think anybody said talk about this episode at the end of 
five. They, Agreed. I think everyone said talk about it at the end of four. And so we are, we, we, we live only to serve. We live only and, to serve. That's right. And you know, they're right in that the, the opening kind of sequence of Sheridan and Delenn returning to the station, it, it goes at the end of season four. Yeah. It fits in there. Yeah. It would have been weird to have that, you know, even just that little part at the end, at the end of five. So it makes sense. Right. Um, Even though it's put into this kind of frame story. Right. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's, that's okay. You know, I think it's totally defensible to talk about it now and to see it as a kind of, uh, you know, as a kind of riffing Mm -hmm. on the show, where it is, where it's come to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Sort of the, the antithesis of a clip show. You yeah. know, when you realize you have to fill, oh, I've got, we've got to push Sleeping in Light out to the end of five. I guess we have to get another episode to fill some space here. Yeah. And, uh, and instead of going back and taking other things, it's all kind of pulled together out of, out of whole cloth. But it's still, in a lot of the same ways, is, is kind of a thesis restatement of Babylon 5. Yeah, for sure. It, it really does read as though it were a clip show from from the vantage point of, of a million years, right? Right. You know. Right. Um, it, using 1990s computer uh, technology. Yeah, which, you, you know, know. For the user interface. Yeah, you know, eh. they have what they have, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I've, I've never been a huge fan of uh, the way that Babylon 5 does its computer user interfaces. You know, I always thought the colors were a little strange. The fonts were a little big. It's just a production design question. Mm-hmm. I think that Babylon 5 uh, gets high, high, high marks, and deservedly so, for its uh, spaceship design. Mm-hmm. I don't think it does a particularly good job in its uh, in its interiors design. You know, I was mm-hmm. making fun of the, the command chair in a... <laughs> Uh, you know, in in the Agamemnon, how the arms just seemed so high that it's like, who? Nobody sits like that. Why are the arms so high, right? Mm. But they get they get great credit on those ships. Their costume design is great. Um, their makeup effects are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but their computer interface is terrible. And the voice, their computer voice. I mean, I would, I wouldn't even use a computer if I lived in that time. If I had to listen to that voice, it makes me <laughs> yeah. utterly crazy. No. Yeah, you know, you would, you would hope that you could customize it to have whatever voice you would want. Yes, yes. You know, so, since we can do that today, essentially right. with Siri or right or whatnot. Yeah, my partner has changed Siri uh, to use only the male Irish accent, and he refers to it as Seamus. Mm, it's not Miles. No. Hmm. Seamus. Scottish localization. Oh, I'm sorry. Scottish localization, not Irish. Oh. Oh, That's still hmm. Seamus. Yeah. Yeah. In any case. Um, So we've got this kind of strange beast of an episode. Mm -hmm. I can't think of another program that projected itself so far in the future to look back on itself. And in this regard, this reads sort of like um, like some of the novels that inspire it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, like other forms of um, sort of more conventional hard sci-fi that we don't generally spend a lot of time talking about 
uh, you know, right. on this show. But I, th- I think B5 sees itself as really being more in the hard sci-fi kind of vein, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, and that kind of, you know, spanning millennia is, is, it's a hallmark of that. Yeah. Of that genre. Yeah. And uh, the fact that JMS gets to play with it a little bit here is, is kind is neat. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's yeah. totally, uh, Ian Banksian, mm-hmm. right? It's got some of that Gene Wolfe, mm-hmm. uh, the book of the new sun, uh, you know, the shadow of the torture that content, which yeah. is set on earth, U R T H. You know, th- this is th- th- this uh, this genre is called the dying earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jack Vance is a Jack Vance, right? Yeah, is sort of the yeah. the the godfather of this. But if you take that dying earth concept and you port it over a little bit into uh, you know into fantasy, you you get Vance, Leoness, you get Wolf, mm-hmm. the Book of the New Sun. Mm-hmm. If you pivoted over to hard sci-fi you get more like banks because earth is in the banksian universe even though it's mm-hmm. not explicitly called out because it doesn't really matter right mm-hmm. um or you get um olaf stapledon mm. do you know olaf stapledon i i don't early 20th century writer uh he wrote a book called last and first men okay which is about you know the history of humanity out to 10 million years right mm. you know up Super interesting, but much like this episode, interesting in a sort of academic kind of way. Okay. Like this episode is interesting to me academically. As a historian, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. As a person who's read a lot of sci-fi and have watched a crap ton of television, mm-hmm. I respect what it's trying to do narratively, even if I find it a little stagey, mm-hmm. a little slow. And a, a little, the word I used was turgid. You know, it's just, mm. there's a, there's not a lot happening, but I can respect uh-huh. that, right? Because of yep. what it's trying to yep. accomplish narratively, right? So yeah. Last and First Men is basically about humanity. And then another book called Star Maker, which is essentially a history of the galaxy. Okay. Mm. Both, uh, you know, of, of their time, narratively, uh, Pretty, pretty dense and a little abstract, mm-hmm. but totally worth, totally worth reading, you know, particularly mm-hmm. if you, if you have an interest in, you know, the history of sci-fi, Stapledon influenced everyone, right? Well, so I will put that yeah. on my list of things to check out. Yeah. And Mercy of Mercies, um, unlike in our present world where, um, you know, if you've demonstrated you can sell one book, they'll let mm-hmm. you write a book of 10,000 pages, y- y- you know, without editing it at all. Both of these Stapledon books, all of the Wolf books, they're all proper novels. They're 325, mm-hmm. 350 pages long. Nice. Right? I don't need... Nice. I'm reading mm-hmm. a 1,000-page novel right now. I don't, I don't need 1,000 pages. Hello, Mr. Stevenson. We're looking at you. Hello, Neil Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, we love your stuff, but, yeah. you know, God bless, it's a long book. Yeah. Um, so this... Does he... Go. Stevenson has, has, well, Anathem sort of could be one of these totally earth is out there we're looking at something else from i'm spoiling the hell out of this book right now but uh you know i I spent most of reading anathem trying to figure out in what ways the world that it was set on was some sort of future earth right and then it kind of gives you a pivot toward the end and and you're like oh okay Ah, i kind of now i see i'm in the wrong place right um right so you know 
just in, in talking of of these kinds of books that that span uh, you know that, that span millennia or that that try to try to take a look at at the the earth setting from a long ways away right and he's got that seven eves does it poorly I think um, I've read I think that he's, yet yeah yeah that's why I'm not spoiling it you know I'll, who, who cares about the listeners you know I, I'm not going to spoil it for you <clears throat> yeah right um, uh, but uh, it, yeah so the, you know there are some some modern places you know that that, that will do that um, foundation Dune. yeah foundation and Dune you know, sure those certainly are in the in the uh, in the the same wheelhouse of what we're looking at here. I think so. Although, although I don't think either of them jump out to a million years out. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to even it's hard to even conceive of. You know, I, I was thinking as as I was prepping for this show, trying to conceive of what sorts of things from our modern world would be preserved, remembered, worth preserving, and remembering. In a million years, there'd be you know, nothing. We're, yeah, we're, we're at the place now where where you could even start to think about such a thing because of digital preservation of all of these uh, of of everything. This podcast, yeah, uh, you know. But there, there, the flip side of that is that you get so much that what's worth what's worth keeping and what shapes. What, what what small percentage of what's produced ends up being significant in that kind of long scale? Well, I mean, I think JMS provides what I think is the definitive answer, namely, whatever people who are doing the work feel is valuable to curate is what will be saved. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like these Anglishock Catholic brothers, mm-hmm. right? In the 500, uh, I'm sorry, in the 1,000-year segment, right? Yep. Um, you know, they they have faith instructions in their, you know, in their, that organizes their life mm-hmm. to curate particular kinds of knowledge and memory and find it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only way that anything endures, I mean, you know, you know this from having studied ancient and medieval history like me. Sure. Right? What we get is what monks copied. Mm-hmm. And what they valued. Right. Or what, yeah. or what the Arabs valued. Right. right. Because they saved virtually everything. I mean, almost mm-hmm. nothing of the West was preserved by the people of the West. It was preserved by Arabs. Right. And we got it via Spain. You know, yeah. by, you know, via Granada, or, or Constantinople, yeah, yeah, or via Constantinople, right? But these things were saved for a reason, and mm-hmm. stuff will be saved, right? The the, right. the challenge is, you know, you write something on a clay tablet and you don't expose it to the ocean, it could endure for a very long time. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. much longer eight tracks are going to survive, you, right. you know, that kind of thing. You know, these kind of magnetic media, you know, hard to know, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's no surprise that brother, you know, that the brothers are struggling because most of the data they would need to get access to is not going to be in a form mm. that that they would that, yeah. that that they would ever be able to find anything about, right? True, and and as much as I said, here we are preserving all these everything digitally so that it will endure, but 
you know, one significant thermonuclear war can really ruin a uh, an inf- a digital based information culture. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you look at you look at what we don't have from a hundred years ago, let alone mm-hmm. what we don't have from five hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And you know the contexts in which people act. All of the subtlety, all of the, uh, all of the nuance, is all bled away when you, uh, when you, when you write the history of it a hundred years later, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I just started listening to a podcast called "The Anthropocene Reviewed" by Ooh. the by the author John Green. Okay, okay, the Fault in Our Stars. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, he takes two things from that are related to the human experience and rates them, does a five, six minute story and then <laughs> gives them a five star review. Right. Uh-huh. I give Indianapolis three stars, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but Here he's our but, Indiana listener. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that, no, that's not me. That's him. <laughs> OK. Um, OK. Good. And uh, and he's talking about something related to climate or climate change or whatever. And he says he, he he's he's imagining what the consensus history from a hundred years from now is of our age. And he says, I can't imagine that if we were there to read it, we would feel, we would feel like they fully understood some of the foolishness of what we did and what we chose to do and Mm. why, you know, da, 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 da. And, and I am, quite certain that their judgment is going to be very judgmental, savage, and uh, and that they will adjudge us to be the worst of all generations, you know, something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that got me thinking about that very first segment, mm. right, with these blowhards, <laughs> you know, ch- you know, going on and on about Stuff that they don't know anything about, right? right? I mean, it's clear that this news show has has pulled three, you know, you know, non-entities together to talk about, uh, you know, to talk about the issues at hand, and mm. and the one a hundred years on with Delenn, mm. you know, you know where Delenn comes back is in some respects yeah. no better. Right. I mean, maybe those maybe they aren't non-entities. Maybe those are leading scholars of the time. Right. Which is which is which certainly says a lot <clears throat> about the decline of things. But but yeah, they're they're in that era. Certainly, those those uh, talking heads are are very dismissive and very uh, you know it's it's almost that that kind of you know, cool cynicism right. of of the past and and you know, JMS through the through the character of Delenn spends you know, wastes no time in absolutely cutting them down and and making very clear what his opinion of the whole I, I think he was making you know, his opinion of the the great man versus societal movement kind of argument of things or at least when it's when the importance of individuals is really stripped away right right you know I've always felt it's sort of you know, there's there's a blending of things. You have these societal movements, but then but there are still some 
key people who make decisions that others wouldn't. Right. And when they're in those particular places of power, I mean, would would some would would anybody else have done the same things that Julius Caesar did, that Charlemagne did, that uh, you know, I don't know, Nixon did? Yeah, uh, right, right, you, you, right. You, you, who knows? Right. I mean, who knows? Right. Oh. So, there. Yeah, they. It, as you say, they. You know, they they they're just going on and being you know utterly vapid without without any kind of redeeming point to make yeah um, you know, and again this is this this really again comes back with i think jms's views of of the news media in general right he's, he's really not been very kind to them no no and you know this is 1997 right can you imagine We've, this oh. critique in 2019 we've said before that he was Prescient in, in what he was seeing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't watched television news of any stripe uh, for for decades. I just, I can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was infuriated watching this episode of Babylon Five for the first four minutes because yeah. it's like I don't watch this. I don't want to watch yeah. this. Right. You know, I reject thee. Right. These, these are these are fictional characters. Mm who who I've come to appreciate and respect and and I'm reacting to this news broadcast like I would conversation about our own politics right now I'm like no I don't need that in my life right, right? and and then the historians it was like bad charlie rose <laughs> yeah right you know I mean give me a break uh, uh yeah. y- you know one Historians spend more of their time trying to score on each other than they would trying to, uh, you, you know, trying to assert, you know, an mm. argument. They're always going to try to assert the opposite of whatever their their enemy is trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. First, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, any good listen of any listen to any randomly chosen episode of in your in our time, will <laughs> will show you that precisely, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and. I don't know. I, you know, I think I think if if it were me writing this episode, and you know, listeners, you know, you've heard me go on for a hundred episodes of this program about how I want all that kind of deep mm-hmm. uh, content that no one else but me would want, and you know, all these kind of weird details. Mm-hmm. And tell me more about the political structure of the Narn in the, you know, in the seventeenth mm-hmm. regime, uh, you know, from six hundred years ago. Uh, if I had written it. That second segment, you know, with the historians, mm. I, I think I would have tried to to unpack very different. It sort of feels like the first segment and the second segment weren't different enough, right? Mm. So maybe Fair. maybe yeah. I want to pivot out of Earth stuff into alien stuff, or maybe I mm-hmm. want to um, maybe I want to look at the sociological changes, uh, mm-hmm. a change in xenophobia. A rise in xenophobia? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. We didn't really. I mean, there's, there's. We get some of the xenophobia stuff in the third segment, but, yeah. but there's really very little about what's going on with other worlds and with other peoples. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to come back to. I'm going to come back to this point. Yeah. In our in our next episode, our season four wrap up. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I've got a kind of thesis about this season that I okay. want to riff with you, but I don't want to do it in this episode. 
Um, That's called a teaser, folks. Indeed. Um, so, you know, look, interesting. And, you know, it was talk about aging makeup. Hmm. Nicely done. That was good. That was. Yeah. yeah. Mira Absolutely. Furlan looked. Uh, it looked real. It right. looked like John Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks sort of what John Hurt is likely to, to look like in, you know, 2362, uh, right? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, John Hurt, yeah. who has now been. About the same as he looked in, you know, 1947. Yeah, that's right. When he was yeah. seven years old, right? Right. Um, we love John Hurt and we'll truck no substitutes, but, you know, he always looked ill, even yes. when he was young. Um, you know, I, I liked it that, that Delenn was in there to pop off against these, you know, mm-hmm. nabobs, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I kind of wish it wasn't necessary. Like, I would have wanted to structure what we're talking about differently so that she can come mm-hmm. in in some other context, right? Yeah. You know? Like, you don't understand what it was like to be in the room with a Narn and a Centauri a hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't like it is now when they can tell jokes and they have a respect for each other's foibles. Like we yeah. got at the very beginning, the best part mm-hmm. of this episode in some respects was that Stephen first, you know, directing the hell out of Katsulas. Right. Yes. Right. Like, no, no, no. I need more. No, you're at a seven. I need you at a ten. Oh, there was there was the at least rolling? an eleven and a half eye roll. Right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like I want more of that. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting that Stephen First has been tagged to do the these two episodes this season that are so heavy in media commentary. Right. Right. I wonder if that's something in sort of the back end of their relationship in some way that. Yeah. Uh, uh, was that his choice? Was that did he request that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I I don't. Uh, I, I I don't. Just I thought don't of know. it now. Yeah. As I was, yeah. Um. So we'll see, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, again, I think I think this is. Uh, this is. Competently directed. I don't think the script is. Is as tight as I'd like it to be for what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't fault Stephen first for it not landing, right? Mm-hmm. Because some of it did land. Other parts of it to me didn't. And others didn't in a way that I think was deliberately meant not to, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that first segment, which I didn't really like, I was meant not to like, right? I'm not going to yeah. fault it for that. You know, of course yeah. it was infuriating. It was meant they, to be. They were, they, yeah, they were They were kicking things. It was, I mean, it was good to see in that segment that not everybody was, was, oh, hooray, you know, Sheridan is here to save us all. It, you know, they had right. the, they had the former, uh, you know, Vichy speechwriter to, uh, right, which, to kind of. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but. I mean, look at CNN today. Okay, look at any of your. You're, you're going to have somebody. You're going to get people from from your opposing spectrums so that they can argue. And, you know, why are you wondering why he's not in prison? Yes. Yes, I am. You know, I I I have to suspect that an administration coming in and you know, rounding up and imprisoning, you know, 
even down to the speechwriter level, uh, isn't a good look. I'll accept that. I mean, maybe maybe cabinet members, decision people who are making the active decisions. But a speechwriter? Does the name Tariq Aziz ring a bell to you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, so, you know, this has got me thinking about him, right? Okay, so uh-huh. uh, for those of you who don't know, Tariq Aziz is the, was the uh, foreign minister of Iraq uh, during mm-hmm. uh, the later part of the Saddam Hussein regime. And uh, Aziz, a Christian, but also a loyal Baathist, was a very skilled interlocutor on behalf of the Iraqi government, um, you know, out out in the world. You know, he would talk yeah. to CNN and he would talk to, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, BBC and whatever and kind of make the make, uh, you know, Saddam's case. And, you know, he was sort of infuriating for his ability to seem so reasonable. Right. So you imagine Aziz, you know, the 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 uh, his counterpart in the Clark government is going to be mm-hmm. cashiered out yeah. to prison, but his speechwriter, you know, or his deputies yeah. are not going to be because I mean at some point, you know, well if you arrest all the Bathists, you've only got eight people left in the country to, uh, you know, to deliver the fruits and vegetables. You can't do it. Right. 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 I mean, you're not going to keep on a speechwriter for someone like Clark. Right. But but you're not going to arrest him. You're not going to shoot gonna, I, him. Yeah, I, you know, has he has he committed a crime? Hmm. I don't think so. You know, other than maybe in you know incite inciting to to violence or or yeah. something or other. Yeah. I'm sure they could they could drum something up. But but if you're if you're if you're coming in with this with this new administration, I just don't think you want to. I don't think you want to swing through and just start you know locking everybody up. Um, you know, just some just some good show trials at the top. That'll that'll keep the the public happy. Well, that's how these things work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see soon enough. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we'll see. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, um, I thought that the segment uh, at the 500-year mark, mm-hmm, the 2762? Uh, yeah, that sort of Orwellian yeah. kind of thing yeah. was a clean miss for me. It was too mustache twirly. Yep. Um, down to the little SS logo that the fellow had on his lapel. Yep. Which was, it was like, that's just too far. Yeah. That's really, that's really, a, it's, you know, you, you, there's, there's a difference between not being subtle and just dropping an anvil on us here. Right. Um, right. And, and when you start pulling out the, the Orwell speak and the, the distinction between good fact and real fact. Yep. Uh, Eh, fine. Yeah. Meh. It just Not, it uh, just didn't land it was, for me. Yeah. It 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 got us some good Garibaldi though. Yes. You know, that's true. And and the playful Garibaldi. Right. Which we haven't had a chance to see a lot this season because he's been, you know, mind controlled. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. But this was Garibaldi as the avatar of Bugs Bunny. Right. Yeah. 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 I can accept that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that worked. I mean that part worked, but and 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 I mean, you know that that Bruce Boxleitner had to love being evil Sheridan. Oh yeah, he was he was just eating that up. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, there was um, uh, th- there was an episode of 
I'm not saying this because I'm trying to twist your arm, Voyager, um, where Good where the, uh, the 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 doctor's program is uh, is reawakened like a thousand years later mm. um, on a planet that has made a movie, not a movie, a museum about its encounter with Voyager that wasn't ah. very good. And mm. they've sort of turned it into this kind of crazy fascist kind of military ship, right? Okay. So you get Kate Mulgrew, you know, uh, in their memory cells, you know, with sort of black gloves and, you know, the <laughs> hair, right? And she's like, she, she's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, d- direct direct all quantum torpedo uh, energies directly at their capital city. You will surrender immediately or I will destroy your whole planet. This kind of thing. You know, and Voyager yes. looks like a dreadnought, you know, and Chakotay's, uh-huh. uh, you know, tattoo is like half of his face, you know, this kind mm. of thing. And the doctor, yeah. you know, who, who, you know, is who he is, right, mm. y- you know, sees all this and is like, what kind of <laughs> and nonsense are you pulling? You have to cut that. Uh, are, are you that. <laughs> are you are you pulling right? Yeah. Not a thing in this happened, right? So there's a little bit of that in you know in in this mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know in this business here. So yeah, like uh, you know, kind of like a Jose Chung from outer space. Yeah, yeah. Situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, what a good which episode. is an interesting kind of look. You know, much in the way that that this is that that's that's very much a look at the show mm-hmm. from the. You kind of from from the side, right, right, right. Yeah. Which that's yeah. fun, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the the segment at year one thousand mm-hmm. after the Great Burn. Okay, yeah. that's a nice piece of. That's a. It's nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, it reads a bit like like a theater play on television. Okay, you know, and and that's I think that's been something that's been the case throughout the series Quite. in in a, in a number of a number of places. You know, sometimes it's <clears throat> and and it, it you know it, it continues from director to, to director. So I just don't know if it's the way that that JMS is is scripting things. Yeah, out, I think it's right. in the writing. It, you know, yeah, I mean that's what I think. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. When when you've got a one room and characters coming in and out. And yep. Actually, all of these segments kind of felt like felt more like stage production. Yeah. Kinds of things, and that might have been because of the 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 time that he had to turn the episode around. Right. Yeah. These kind of episodes are cheaper to film. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't need as many sets. They don't. They're not as expensive, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. All those things have to figure in. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's not a. Uh, it's not even a critique, frankly. Um, it's right. just an observation that it reads mm-hmm. as a bit of a stage play. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. You know, I like. Um, uh, I like that kind of, uh, you know, Thornton Wilder, Our Town, Lars von Trier kind of thing, where mm-hmm. you shoot with as minimal a set as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's again, it's stagey yeah. and it's artificial, but that's all right. I like it. Yeah. Right. Um, my, my problem with this, uh, 3262 segment, um, is it's so obviously inspired by, um, Walter Miller's canticle for Leibovitz that 
uh, you know, I can't really, I can't separate yeah. them. And I just think that, nah, nah, I've got to have now, something that's more originally yeah. to to you, you know? Now, now I've never read Canticle. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that I know I should at some point. Yeah. Um, and I know as I was reading stuff about this episode came across those, the, that, that observation and the note. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and the notes from JMS that he got halfway through writing it and real and, and said to himself, Oh nuts, this is too much like <laughs> Canticle for Leibowitz. Right. I, and, and spent like days trying to rewrite it, but came to the conclusion. The only thing that really makes sense is, is for the, this organization that, that endures to be the church. Nobody else is going to is going to have the resources to continue this kind of search, and and eventually he just said, "Well, the heck with it. I'm just going to keep plowing on and and you know finish this segment up the way that I'd written it, right, right, or that I that I'd started writing it, uh, rather than than scrap it or come up with a completely different concept." But um, yeah, so so maybe for my benefit and for anybody else who maybe <clears throat> hasn't read well, Canticle for Leibowitz, what, what are the what are the notes that are well, look, uh, you've got a, um, uh, you've got a civilization that has been destroyed by a nuclear war in what was known in the book as the Flame Deluge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Great Burn, that uh, that also comes with it a uh, a, a readjustment of uh, our relationship to. Uh, kind of knowledge and technology and literacy and all of that kind of stuff saying, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, what did this is that we got too smart. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of back to the land kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and then we get, um, you know, three stories each separated in time by roughly um, 600 years uh, mm-hmm. in which, uh, you know, we learn about what the world looks like kind of at its darkest point Mm. kind of as it's rallying and we see all this evidence of technology you know kind of starting to you know be restored um Mm. while the church's power is still incredibly strong uh and then you know we're kind of two thousand years later we're kind of back you know kind of where we were Right. Mm. You know, did we learn anything kind of thing? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, in that regard, it's, uh, you know, it's like a lot of sci fi that that says, well, you had the opportunity to learn this lesson and you didn't. So now you'll get another chance to learn it because you're going to repeat the same mistakes Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you're still human. Right. Mm -hmm. Um but the fact that it's the church and that, you know, what is the relationship of the individual to knowledge and knowing mm-hmm. and what can be known, what is mm-hmm. left. Oh, I'm making, you know, we've got just enough parts to make a gasoline engine. All of that is straight Miller. Uh, it's just straight Miller, uh-huh. right? And, you know, I, I, I can appreciate having read a billion things. Mm-hmm. The fact that <clears throat> I may have something in my own work. That actually is almost a straight shot from someone else's and not mm. even know, not even remember it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's possible, right? Um, yeah. But. Uh, it's it's certainly better for him to, for, for JMS to acknowledge it rather yeah. than, than 
hold the position of what? No, I've never read that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's nothing like it. You know, mine is, is clearly very different. And oh, it, mine, yeah. mine goes deet, 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 deet. And his goes deet, 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 deet. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I, I like it because I like the segment because, you know, it sort of does what I think, you know, people like you and me who are interested in knowledge and, you know, in the, the distant past mm-hmm. would would be attracted to the work. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and. Oh, yeah. Some sort of, you know, fiery post great burn kind of world. Yeah, I'm 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 finding religion and holding up inside a inside a monastery day one. Yeah, brother. bro. Be- right. I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not out there, you know, with uh, um, with Lord Humongous's, uh, you know, you know, ram wagons and and mutant squads and you right. know, fighting for survival right. and gasoline. No, right. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm way too soft for any of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Show me where you know, show me in uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, right? You know, where the where the sweet, sweet monasteries are, because that's mm-hmm. where I'll be, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, there's, 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 there's that in this um, mm-hmm. that I, I can I, I can vibe with that. Right. And I love yeah. the fact that that, uh, you know, fa- faith will have to abide. This has been one of the themes of this show all along. Of course, we should have a right. segment that really brings that faith. And religion narrative into, uh, you know, into some kind of relief. We get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then the sort of, I don't know if I'd call it a revelation, but, you know, that, mm-hmm. in fact, the Anglo-Shock, you know, are somehow, you know, the Reformed Catholic Assembly or some kind of crazy hybrid, you know, at least that's how mm-hmm. I took it, right? Well. That he's both. I, I that he is i don't know that the i don't know that the order oh i i accept your larger point. scale yeah okay yeah yeah i think i think he's kind of a, a double agent and he's recruiting and but uh mm. yeah yeah out to a out to year one million mm. not too long uh you've got your you know pre pre vorlon human looking yep. looking appropriately uh Mm-hmm. You know, of 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 the time, yeah. You know, I mean, he looked the way he's supposed to look, right? The Vorlon yeah. encounter suit was a little Buck Rogers for me. <laughs> well, you know, humans are gonna gonna fancy it up a little bit, yeah. You give it racing lines and whatnot, yeah. But you know, all in all, you know, an episode that got me thinking which is mm-hmm. more than can be said for a lot of television yeah yeah it's not perfect yeah. but that's okay you right know, as as we know it's uh you know that this, this show um blesses and curses in its own measure mm. yeah yeah so yeah and it, it, yeah as you say it, it it got me thinking more about the you know what will endure what right. you know, what has what has endured if we look back a thousand or two thousand years you know what heck, if we if we didn't have if we didn't have the the domesday book you know what the heck would we know about average you know everyday life in around the 
1000 in, in England. Correct. Correct. We know nothing. Right. We know nothing. You know? It's you know, so so who knows what will what will last. Right. Um, Imagine our society so profoundly influenced by these kind of great arcing heroic narratives mm -hmm. that all these people learned from Tolkien and Lewis, mm -hmm. right? And Lovecraft and all these guys. Mm -hmm. Imagine Tolkien without Beowulf. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. it doesn't look the same, right? No. And Beowulf not. exists in a single manuscript, mm -hmm. which if we had never recovered, we wouldn't know. Can you imagine knowing right. that it existed, but not knowing what was in it? I mean, mm. I, I, and, and th th that's what... That's what I find endlessly interesting, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, do you have a uh, IMDb corner for me? Oh, I don't, but that smirk suggests you tut, do. Tut, you should have. I should have. Okay. Who did I miss? You missed Roy Brocksmith. Brocksmith. Roy Brocksmith, brother Aylwin. Okay. Okay. Be perhaps better no known to me. I'd say this is why I thought you were going to IMDb corner me. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Probably best known for playing the Stratagema Master Strategist, the Zach Dorn Sirnicol Rami on Star Trek The Next Generation. Played that crazy game with Data. You remember this? No? No. No? It's not ringing a bell. Uh, it, it's from the episode Peak Performance where they do those war games where Riker takes over a derelict ship. Okay. And okay, you don't remember it. It doesn't matter. I don't. Okay. I don't. Uh, I thought that you were gonna pull that on me, and I was ready to. Okay. Be, I. It's like I ah. know he's gonna IMDb corner me on this, but I'm ready for it. And lo and ah. behold, nothing. No, you did. You, well, there you, it in is. Fact, you got you got me on that one. Well, perfect. Uh, yes. So on that note, I think we're done with this, and we'll have our our season four wrap up afterwards, and then mm -hmm. onward to season five. Right? Exactly. So now. I'm not sure that you've looked at Lurker's Guide yet, but the episode director, season five, episode one, Janet Greek. Oh, looking forward to that. And she is all over this season, as is Tony Good. Dow and Mike Vehar. Okay. That's so the that's hope is, you know, look, right there. Yeah. you know, li listeners, I don't think it'll come as any surprise if you've made it this far on our show. You know, you already know that season mm -hmm. five is polarizing. Mm -hmm. People love it, people hate it. And. There are lots and lots and lots of folks out there who wonder why it was made, what its point is, and I, for one, am looking forward to wading into the controversy mm -hmm. because I think that uh, you can – I think you can make the case that season one is as problematic as nearly every sci-fi program's season one, but that <laughs> two, three, and four form an arc that is largely mm -hmm. strong. I'm mm -hmm. going to make a case about season four, like I said, in our next week's episode. But mm -hmm. I expect season five to be a bit of a slog fest because of how controversial it is. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But next week, we'll be recapping season four, talking about our uh, our greatest hits and our what we think didn't really hit the mark. Right. And uh, and we'll and go from there. Overall, overall impressions of the season and and. And then we'll we'll take a few weeks a uh, well, few months break, uh, for the summer. Yep, 
And back, back to season in the, five. In the fall, back with season five. Can't wait. All right, Chris. All right. All right. Cheers. See you. Bye.